0: Welcome to Indy's Real Estate Gurus. We're recording today from Advisors Mortgage Group Studio right here in downtown Carmel. And I'm Rick Ripma, the hardworking mortgage guy, and I've been in real estate mortgages for over 34 years. I've helped over 5,200 folks uh, finance their homes. My team and I believe in custom tailored loans, not the one size fits all approach. We believe there is a right mortgage for you, and we believe we are the team to deliver it.
1: And I'm Ian Arnold, part of Rick's hardworking mortgage team. I've been in the financial industry for 15 years, helping people either rebuild their credit or even just get their credit a little higher to get the better interest rates. Um, my I have a passion in trying to help you increase your overall wealth and
0: create generation wealth for you and your family. And if you have any questions on Indy's real estate market or mortgages. Please go to hardworkingmortgageguys.com. That's hardworkingmortgageguys.com. Or you can call 317-672-1938. That's 317-672-1938. So, Rick,
1: just a few minutes ago, some guy was just knocking on our door. He said he wanted to come, and he had something to tell us. Who was this gentleman?
0: Clark Giles. Clark? and He's with Your Realty Link,
2: correct? Yes, and it's Giles. Giles, yeah, no problem. See, I should have some everybody
0: else. I, the only one I've ever gotten right was the one last, last. Smith. Yeah, you
2: know, Smith. That's about, well, yeah, that's an easy yeah. one.
0: I, I have trouble with must. Yeah, I mean, what what are you, you going to do?
1: <laughs> Your mom still says you pronounce it wrong. Yeah, well, not anymore. <laughs> mom passed.
0: Well, <laughs> so. to try to bring that sore subject up. Goodness, now I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. So, you're you're not only a real estate agent, you're also a real estate attorney.
2: Yes, that's correct. Correct. Yes, that's all, That's yeah.
0: a that's. I, I'm kind of. I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah. double threat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and that that I think really gives you a lot of great information that most people don't don't have. So you can. I'm sure your guidance is is critical, and you probably you help other agents when they you know when they're looking at.
2: Yeah. Frequently I'll have agents that just from my office or just other offices that will just call me up. And, you know, I, I always tell them I'm happy to like, you know, if they just want to bounce something off of me, you know, the, the clock doesn't start. Yeah. You know, they're not going to pay, pay something for just like a phone call. You know, I'm happy to talk about it at a very high level. Um, I have to do a conflicts check first, of course, yep. but you know, at a very high level, I'm happy to always answer a question if I know it. And then, even if I don't, I'm happy to go try to find the answer. Cause I, I like it when someone asks me a question that I don't, immediately know the answer to after, yeah. after so many years. Probably doesn't happen very often anymore. Uh, it doesn't happen very often but it can. Yeah. yeah. So
1: what would somebody come and ask you questions about? Let's yeah, so for somebody doesn't know.
2: Yeah, generally with um often with real estate brokers it's hey, um we think this transaction may be falling apart for reason x or reason y like uh, we're going to have a fight over the the earnest money. Um, you know, like what, what do you think? What does Indiana law say about that? Or sometimes it'll be just about an interpretation of one of the standard purchase agreements or addendums or amendments that all all of us realtors tend to use here. So I want to know which came first real estate as
0: a real estate agent or real estate law.
2: Yeah. So I was a broker first, uh, come from a family of realtors. So, um, when I went to college, just right out of college, of course, my, my mom, who's been a realtor for She's, I don't, I don't, even know, over so long, over 50 years, so long, wow. they don't even charge her, um, for her, my board dues anymore. She's an emeriti Oh wow. Um, so coming from family of realtors, I got my real estate license right out of college, uh, about 21, 22 years old and, um, did that for a while and didn't actually go back to go to law school, even though I planned to do that right out of undergrad, didn't go back to law school until I was 36. And, uh, became a lawyer right before my 40th birthday. Wow! So I've been practicing law now, um, about seven years.
0: And that had to be a lot of, I mean, when you're getting your law degree, you're, you're, a, you're a real estate agent working full-time. Yes. And then you go to get your law degree, which is also a full-time job. Yes. At night. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's, you had to really put a lot of effort into this. Yeah. it, It was a lot of effort, uh, It really took. I had to have a discussion, you know, with my significant other at the time of like, "Hey, I'm going to do this. You may not see me for a while, Um, (laughs) (laughs) like, but I swear it'll be all worth it." You know, like when I when I get out. Um, Ironically, uh, my lowest grade in uh, law school was in real estate. Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My my professor told me at the time, "They're like, he's like, oh, you're a realtor. You're going to hate this class." (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, because it kind of comes down to I don't know if you. Ever saw that old uh, movie "Back to School" with Rodney Dangerfield, where oh, yes. he's like the that. business guy in yeah. in the business class? Uh-huh. It was a lot like that, you know. I was like, "Well, that would never actually happen in the real world because this is what would actually happen." But I tried to give the book answer, but uh, and when I say low grade, I, I still got a B plus. But, yeah. you know, but <laughs> well,
0: that would have been my high grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, the uh, "Back to School." I don't remember what he called it, but where where are you going to build that?
2: Yeah, it's like fantasy land. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) hilarious.
0: That was a Rodney Dangerfield is a funny was a funny funny man. He was
2: he was great. Yeah, he's great. I love that.
0: So before real estate, before well, where did you go
2: to college? Yeah, so I went to college in Indiana University, Bloomington. Okay, Um, went down there, uh, graduated right uh, right when the internet boom happened. So I also have like a background in IT. So I jumped into IT for a while, did IT and real estate. As I tried to build up my real estate career, got into the music business for about a decade, kept saying I was gonna go back to law school, kept doing real estate. Finally, uh when I in my mid thirties, I was like, if I'm gonna do this, I need to do this now, or else it's gonna to be too late and the the return on the investment's not gonna be worth it to pay right. to law school to do that. So um that's why I decided to go back. Yeah. So what did you do in the
0: music industry?
2: Yeah, so everything wore many hats, uh, much like the realtor and the um, uh, lawyer thing. I was a tour manager for a band, uh, ran a record label, put out some records for a while, played in a band, uh, did wow. some distribution, worked from distribution. Uh, I was always a realtor while I was doing that because the music industry didn't pay, uh, <laughs> you know. But you know, it was it was a fun time. I'm glad I did it. I got to meet a lot of people. Got to go to every state in the union. People often say, like, you know, it's nice that you got to travel around, you see all these cities. And I said, yeah, but I saw the worst part of every city because we were playing in a band. (laughs) So, you know, and we were there for about twenty-four hours. But yes, it was nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. My my nephew is in the band Emory. Oh, okay. And and he's he's a drummer. Okay. And they've kind of now they're they just go on tour. But they all have normal jobs, right? Yep. But when they yep. go on tour, they, they, I guess they're really big in Europe and Australia.
2: Okay. I know a few bands like that, that like, you know, they'll play here and it's maybe 40, 50 people, but then they'll go to Europe and play in Germany and it's just like a stadium show. Yeah. 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 That's They have
0: huge shows in in, in those areas. It's, it's amazing to me. So they still do it because yeah. it, it's profitable, but they all have to have jobs that they, I, I, none of them are real estate agents that I know of, but that's... <laughs> They're all, uh, uh, they all have jobs that have to have flexibility. Yeah, yeah. So, how did all of that experience that you that you have gotten over the years and all the different jobs that you have, how does that relate or help you in real estate?
2: Uh, I'd say it actually builds your emotional intelligence a lot because you're dealing with so many different people. You're dealing with like on um, like in the music industry, you're dealing with the the quintessential artistic temperament, uh, you know, where it's maybe not always about numbers or rationality. Sometimes it's about the passion of the project. Uh, But then other times when you're dealing with the club owner at the end of the night, you're talking cold numbers and cold hard cash and return on investment. And so it's um, all the jobs I've ever done has kind of built that emotional intelligence and knowing kind of like who before you stand, you know, who, who you're standing in front of and like, what's going to be a priority to them. And how you can um, best serve them, you know, as, as an agent.
0: Well, it's it, it sounds like you've had a lot of exciting things. So now, now you've gotten into real estate. And what would you say, you know, is your favorite part of the job?
2: Yeah. So um, I think actually my favorite part of the job is working with first time homebuyers. Um, I've always like said that, like to steal a line from Dave Ramsey, like I have a heart of a teacher, and um, I love to teach about real estate to individuals. Um, so I love it when someone comes into my office and says, Hey, I want to buy a house. I don't know where to start. Um, I don't know um, anything about mortgages. I don't know what kind of mortgage I need. I don't know how much money I need down. Um, I don't know the process and I love just talking them through that. And then at the end of the transaction, like when we close for them to say, like, I feel like I actually understood, I, I felt confident the whole time that we were going through this and, You know, like even if I had any anxieties, you kind of assuage those fears and I feel like I somewhat know what I'm doing now and I'd feel comfortable doing it again.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome.
2: So is it was it hard
1: to go from real estate to do it all your other stuff and then your family still does real estate and then you trying to get back into it? Was that Struggle, or were they just kept nudging you? Hey, you need to get back into this.
2: <laughs> no, I I think a lot of well, a lot of times whenever uh, you know I'd go off and and do something else, like what my mom would always say to me is like, well, real estate's always going to be there. Uh, you know, like you always have that to fall back on. I'm a very risk adverse person, you know, so I always have to have like multiple backup plans to things. <laughs> and she would always say, "What are you talking about? You're a realtor. You can do this anytime. You have a wide network of people." Um, go try it. You know, so I think it actually like encouraged me to take a little more risk and go try to do some fun things and jump in a van with some guys and go play a show because I knew I could always come back to that. It wouldn't have been the same if I was working a corporate job where I was trying to get the gold watch at the end of 40 years, right. you know, like uh, it's, it's not worth it to take that kind of risk. So
0: he's risk adverse, hey. which <laughs> I understand. Yep. I am too.
2: I am very risk averse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Some people would say you've kind of taken, it's not a risky way necessarily, but as self-employed is considered kind of a risky way and you're a self-employed, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm self-employed, but I wear many hats and that yeah. self-employment. Yeah. But, um, also like, you know, I, I'm risk adverse, but I also value freedom and being able to kind of be my own person and have a little bit of an authority problem. <laughs> I <Like>, don't <they'll> really <laughs> like being told what to do. Yeah. So I, I'm not know. like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so being self-employed is great for that. And Clark, if somebody's looking to get a hold of you, what's the best way? So really the best way to get a hold of me is through email, which is just Clark, C-L-A-R-K, at yourrealtylink.com. You can also go to the yourrealtylink.com website and get to me that way. Um, That's really the most effective way to reach me.
0: Awesome. And Rick, how would they get a hold of you or I? They go to hardworkingmortgageguys.com. That's hardworkingmortgageguys.com or 317-672-1938. That's 317-672-1938. And on the website, just you can find uh, a lot of information, but you can also uh, find all the contact information for Ian I. Thanks for listening to Indy's Real Estate Gurus. The gurus we interview share valuable insights. They reveal their strengths, personalities, and how they'll work for you. While we hardworking mortgage guys secure your best mortgage, real estate gurus work hard too. They avoid problems the amateurs don't see. They listen. They find unrealized opportunities. If you're buying or selling a home, a real estate agent is a valuable asset. If you're even thinking of buying or selling a home, keep listening and definitely call one of Indy's Real Estate Gurus. All right. So before we get to the question
1: of the week, Uh, We're going to find out what is his superpower. We're going to change it up a little bit. You
0: are changing up. I'm not ready. I got to keep you on your toes. What are you doing?
2: Well, go ahead. (laughs) All right, Clark. What (laughs) do you think is your superpower? Um, So I've already mentioned the emotional intelligence uh, to an extent, so I'm not going to fall back on that answer. But I, I would say that is one of my superpowers. But also I'd just say just my deep experience, um, being able to be a real estate attorney and a real estate broker, I've seen I've seen it all from all sides of the uh, all sides of a particular transaction. And um, it's rare to me, I, I'm solution oriented. So a lot of times, you know you'll run into in a transaction, there's been some that like agents have said to me in my office like, if you were not the broker on this transaction, this would not have gotten done you know like cuz you thought up a creative way to get this to the closing table that and a, a lot of other times people would have just thrown up their hands and said hey it's impossible and so um that's that's really i think would be a, a superpower of mine that's an important one too to be able to keep
0: those de- you know keep everything together and figure out ways to make it go through I, I don't know why but it's one of those things i like to do
2: yeah i enjoy it yes. I, I i don't like it at the time when the problem happens yes. but like when you can get to that closing table with the help of the other agent on the other side and the lender and the mortgage people and, and the title company, and you get there and you get it done and everyone's like, wow, we can't believe we pulled that off. Yes, I mean, that, It's yeah. a great feeling. Yeah, and
0: it's so valuable for the customer. Yeah. yeah I, I'm, obviously, that's a big piece of, of why somebody should work with you. But how, how big a piece do you think having your, the, the real estate law background helps your clientele when they're looking to buy a home.
2: Yeah, I think um so with a lot of the first-time home buyers, I think it helps when uh with a little bit of the um authenticity and, and gravitas or authority that you can bring to it. You know, like I every real estate agent I think out there has um, been in the situation where the parents come to the home inspection and they're walking through and they're looking at you like uh, you know, is this uh, used car salesman trying right. to like take advantage of my poor child? You know, like, and <laughs> yeah. convinced him to buy this house. Uh, so like being you know being a lawyer, and I think helps uh, helps with that. And um, and I think once they meet me, they they understand that like I really just want the best for the client. And right. you know, there's been multiple times where I've walked a house with a first time homebuyer and said, I don't think you want to buy this house. Like I think that it's going to too much work for, for like what you've told me that you want to do or that you're willing to do. Right. I don't think it makes sense. Or I don't think it makes sense for the situation that you've told me. Um, I will I want them to be happy at the end of the day. And I frequently tell my clients, I'll show you a house to the end of time. You know, like we, we'll keep looking at, we're not going to try to buy the first house that we necessarily look at. Right. You find, you want to find the right house. I want to find the right house. Now, if it happens to be the first house, great, right. <laughs> but sometimes it's not. Yeah. Sometimes it's the 10th. And sometimes you don't know it's the right house.
0: Yeah. Because you have, you know, sometimes you have to look at a few more just to make sure you know that you're buying the right house.
2: Yeah. I've, we've done that before too, where we've looked at one house and like, this is great. Let's schedule a showing for two more houses just so we can say that we've looked at three and you feel like, you know, like it's, you've gone through the process and looked at what else is out there. But then we'll go back and write an offer on this one because. I think it's a great, great foot for you.
1: Right. Yep. I will say this though.
2: Um, when my wife and I
1: bought our house, we real estate agent did the same thing you're doing. You don't realize, and I've come from a sales background. So I'm yep. looking at uh, a realtor just like, look at it. I mean, you're just trying to sell me. But yep. we looked at a couple houses and she goes, yeah, you don't want this one. I mean, she goes based off of your situation. You guys want kids later and stuff. This house isn't going to do it. And she told us the reasons why. And we're like, oh, we didn't even think about that type of stuff. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, so she's actually like, looking out for us. This is like, and so our our fences and gates went straight down from that point on, and it was much easier, I would say. And I wasn't thinking of oh, she's trying to sell me so she can get a commission. So yeah.
2: I mean, I know how it is when you first start out. It's very feast or famine. You know, you have to you you want to make your commission cuz you know it's hard if you don't have that referral network built up but um i think the the truly the agents that think about it strategically look at things and they say like hey someone's going to buy like two to three houses in their lifetime if they really like me and i treat them fair and honest and with authenticity they're going to come back to me when they're ready to sell their house and buy their next one right so
0: plus they have a lot of referrals yeah you know if you yeah. do a great job for somebody they want their friends taken care of their friends and family, taken care of just like they were, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it, it's very valuable. And I I've noticed here the, the top agents in the city, like yourself, the people who are gurus that are doing huge volume and have done a great job, they care about the client more than they care about the deal. That's the, that's part of what I want to get, make sure people understand that real estate agents should have re they should be respected the top agents should be respected for what they do because they do care. They're, they're there to really help people get the best house for them. Just like you said, you want the best house for them. You want them happy.
2: Yeah. It, I'm sure you've had this experience too. Like um, you, you take care of a client and then suddenly you're doing a mortgage for, you're selling a house to everybody at their work. Yes. Because, you know, the because that's the best kind of referral you can get is the word of mouth. Like, Hey, I use this guy or I use this yes. woman. And, uh, they did, they did a great job for me and they were honest and I trusted them and they did me right.
0: Yes. And you never know who that's going to be.
2: Yeah. Some people refer and other people don't refer anybody. They love you, but they're just not (laughs) referral type people. Yeah. They're just introverts. Yeah. I can get, I can deal with that or I can understand that. Yeah.
1: All right, so now let's get into the question of the week. And the question of the week is sponsored by, hey, Rick and I, the Hardworking Mortgage Guys, where we believe in helping and supporting you and your realtor by sending constant updates on your loan. Contact us today at hardworkingmortgageguys.com. All right, so
2: here you go. What was your first car? Uh, AMC Eagle.
0: Oh, an Eagle. Yeah. That was my- Four-wheel drive. Four-wheel drive, yeah.
2: Was it the station wagon? No. uh, Well, it was like a, I don't know if- if you would call it a station wagon, I wouldn't call it a station wagon. It was like a mini, it kind of looked like a station wagon that was shrunk.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So more like a, more like what they call today, like the Subarus SUV style, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know exactly what you're, I, my first, uh, not my first, but the, the place I, when I was in car sales, the last place I was at, I was a um, general manager of the store and it was a Jeep Eagle store. Okay. They were great cars. Yeah.
2: It was a good car. Ironically, my next car after that was a white uh, Caprice Classic station wagon. And so that was the great white.
0: There was okay. a big difference in size yes. between those two
2: cars. <laughs> well, the AMC Eagle was hard for me. I know they can't see me on the radio, but being 6'4", it was hard for me to fit in the Eagle. But yeah. the station wagon is more my style. Yeah. And you called it a what? The It, it was a, a great white. The it great white. A, yeah. yeah. Okay. And you, So it sounds like you like that car better than the Eagle. I did. Yeah. But it was more like, because, you know, it was like you could fit eight people in the car. (laughs) You know, it was more like, it was more of a party car. Take the band. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And and for shorter people out there, I'm 6'3. Rick, you're close to 6'3. 6'4. So you don't realize how much different cars, uh, when you sit in them, they change. Like my parents, my mom and dad are only 5'6. My grandpa was 6'2. So that's where I got it. But it's interesting because they, when we were shopping for cars, I'm like, I don't like this car. They're like, why? I go, because one, the seat doesn't go far enough back. My knees feel like they're on the steering wheel. Or <laughs> you, you get in a car and you turn, and all you're looking at is the pillar. Yep. You're like you can't see. I'm like, you want to talk about blind spot? I can't see anything. Yep. <laughs> so, I, I do. Uh, I do have uh, feelings when it comes to searching for the right car and not sitting in the right car. People, people, short people, it's a hard thing to understand.
0: It is. Well, you realize in this group, you're the short guy.
1: Hey, <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting. I play a lot of basketball and yet I'm still one of the tall guys. It's weird. Yeah. well,
2: it All depends on the group you're <laughs> yes, in. Yes, right? it does. Well, what's crazy now is all the kids are taller. Now oh, I'm yeah. used to being the tallest person anywhere I go. And now when I go to anywhere with like 20 year olds or, or less, like I feel like I'm average or the short guy. Yeah. It's weird how, I don't know what's happened, but it definitely is. Bovine growth hormone in milk or something. I don't don't know what it is.
0: (laughs) I heard that's what it is, but I wouldn't, I'm not saying that's what it
2: is. I'm not a scientist. I heard that's what it
0: is. (laughs) So when you you were um, looking, if you had a friend going to buy a home and let's say they're in some other state, you can't help them, what advice would you give them on how to pick
2: the right agent? Yeah. So, um, I would to fall back on the old canard that I've already used. I'd be like, I, you want to talk to somebody that's being, that's willing to explain things to you, like that, that's willing to, to, um, uh, teach you and to, uh, basically approach it as if, uh, like if, a lot of times you can go into somebody and they're condescending, you know, they go in and they're like over explaining to you. Uh, you want somebody that's, that's willing to to explain and go into detail but also doesn't make you feel stupid when when you're doing it um of course referrals are great um you can look on the internet and kind of see the ratings the agents get that's that's okay but really nothing's like word of mouth from somebody that you actually know like empirical evidence from somebody um and i feel like too that just like to trust your gut too like there's just been transactions in the past, not necessarily real estate, but just any transaction where I've been like, I don't know, I get a weird feeling about this person and they're saying all the right things, but it's, um, there's just something off. And the times I haven't listened to my gut and I've just moved forward with that. I've always regretted it. Yeah.
0: Having that, that obviously makes a big, big difference, but having that rapport with somebody that where you get along with them, I think that's a big piece of, like when you meet somebody for us, you meet somebody and and you're talking to them, you want to get along, yeah, right? And, and, they're, and it, you just don't, everybody just doesn't mesh together, right?
2: Yes. And it's okay. Yeah, sometimes I'm not, I've told clients, potential clients before that I'm not the right agent for them sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, I think you need, you know, an agent that's more like this and right. I'll refer them out. And I have no problem doing that. You right. know, sometimes the right agent isn't going to be the right agent for everybody.
0: Now, I am sure your mom was, was a big mentor for you. I'm just guessing. Yes, absolutely. And have you, how has she helped you? And then how, how about other mentors or how have you mentored others to help them?
2: Yeah. So she's um, so there's hardly ever been a question that I've called, called her to ask that she hasn't known the answer to, or hasn't run into it. And I kind of feel like I've now assumed that mantle it's been great with um, other attorneys in my uh, office. um, Like Either my law partners or other attorneys that work as of counsel for us, they'll frequently come to me with a real estate question. And I'll say like, um, okay, well, what hat am I wearing when I'm going to answer this question for you? Cause the answer is going to be different if I'm answering it as a real estate broker or an attorney. So let me answer it as an attorney first. And I'll give you the attorney answer. And then I'm going to tell you what's actually going to probably happen as a real estate broker. And I walk them through it and walk them through all the situation, the different options. And at the end of it, they're usually like, wow, that's, I would have never thought to do it that way. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, no. I've got this question beating in the back of my head
0: that I think I should have asked. What instrument do you play?
2: Uh, so I did play bass, yeah. Okay, But I haven't played it in a long time, probably like 15 years. So you're not going to give us a little... I am not. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so do you have attorney do you have, do you have a law practice also? Yeah, so I have a law practice that's on the east side of Indianapolis in a, in a historic Irvington. We uh, do um, real estate and business. Um, most of our clients are real estate investors or other real estate brokers. Um, we do a lot of uh, 1031 exchanges too, for anyone interested in that and investors interested in talking about that. Um, but we also do business law. So um I say that like our core kind of demographic is we're focused on creatives and creatives I define very broadly, you know, that can be everything from a Python develop programmer, developer to um an artist. Out there, um both of my law partner and I, our background is uh in intellectual property, okay. so now we've kind of defined ourselves as property attorneys, broadly defined, okay, you know intellectual yeah. and real so we um, do both, so we do both um we don't do any criminal law, family law, or any kind of family drama, stuff like that we we kind of stay focused very narrowly to business and real estate so
1: well, hold on, I think we're gonna need to. Get his information out there. So oh, yeah, people we probably do.
2: Yeah. So if
1: somebody somebody wants to get in touch with you about that, yeah. I think I hold, get a hold of you.
2: So for law matters, it would be uh Giles Law Group. G um it's pronounced like a J, but uh spelled with a G. Uh G I L E S Law Group dot com. And um you can always email me at Clark at your And even if it's a legal issue, I'll I'll probably respond to you from my lawyer email address. But uh <laughs> that that'll get to me. Perfect. And Rick, how will they get hold of you or I? Uh, just go to
0: hardworkingmortgageguys.com. That's hardworkingmortgageguys.com. Or you can call 317-672-1938. That's 317-672-1938. And on the website, just you can find our contact information, so you can contact us from there. Or you can maybe find the information you're looking for on the website. Or go to Indy's Real Estate Guru's podcast
1: and just subscribe, and you'll Absolutely. have all your information. Absolutely. So, I know you're going through, you were talking about that with your mom mentoring and everything like that. So as I know you got back into it, what hurdle, or do you think you wish you would have done differently, uh, to get back when, once you got back in?
2: Yeah. Um, once I got back in, what hurdle, um, I would say that like something that, I've really seen the value in, in the last 10 years that I did not do when I first started out was having like a customer relationship manager kind of database and doing those like follow up touches. And uh, you know, it would be kind of like, Hey, we closed the house. It was a great transaction. Thanks. Call me if you need anything else. And I just wouldn't follow up or talk to the person, you know, ever again until they called me, you know, hopefully for the next time to buy the house because I was in my twenties and I just didn't understand the the value of staying like top of mind to people. Right. So that's something that like, um, so when I got back into real estate, I was kind of like starting back over. I didn't have my old Rolodex or, or anything. So now that's what I try to do. I try to always reach out even after close the transaction, try to send the holiday card, um, just, touch base with people. Like, even if I know that they never intend to buy another house again, you know, it's like, you still get those referrals from people that they know. And I just touch base with them and remind them to, you know, if they refide their house to file their homestead exemption again, and just like things that I can help them, you know, anything that I can think I can be a value add for. Um, I try to do, and I didn't do that in my twenties. Yeah. I, I I believe heavily in, in up, And I think that it's, first
0: of all i think it's it's you have to do it because your customer deserves it your your those your client deserves that they spend a lot of money but you also spend especially a real estate you spend a lot of time mm-hmm. and you get a relationship and it's it's always weird to me it's like you have this relationship and you're and you're you're seeing each other you know 3 4 times a week you're talking on the phone they buy a house they close and then it's over. Yeah. And it shouldn't be over. So I I I commend you very much for doing the follow up. I think that we do a lot of follow up and and because we think it's valuable. We think it's important. We think it's fair it, it's it's what you should do to honor your customer. Mm-hmm. You know, if the customer says, "Hey, don't do this anymore," then you don't do it. And I've had customers say, "Listen, I just I'm fine." And they still come back and they still send referrals, but a lot of people do want to talk to you. Do you find they want to talk to you? They, they, they're they happy when you call them or you, you yeah, contact yeah. them?
2: Yeah. They, they do want to talk to me. And a lot of times they just want to like kick some ideas around. They're just like, Hey, how do you think the market's doing? Or Hey, the yes. market's kind of crazy right now. Or, or what'd you think about this new law that's been proposed? Or what do you, you know, they just kind of like to get my take on things. And it's, it's nice, but I like feeling like, um, I'm looked at as an expert or someone that whose opinion matters. (laughs) Well, well, you have a little extra because of your law degree and because of being an attorney that, that
0: gives you, in my mind, a little extra where I may not call an, you know, an agent for, for a legal matter, but if you're my real estate agent, I'm probably calling you and and just asking just to see what I need to do. Right. We get, I get calls all the time. Had a call the other day asking me a question that I really don't want to answer cuz mm-hmm. I'm not an attorney right yeah. and but as an attorney that you have that advantage I would think
2: yeah I, i'll give a little disclaimer you know like hey i don't know all the specifics of it and this isn't you know necessarily legal advice you know depending but um yeah i'd give you my hypothetical answer right <laughs> yeah you know cuz yeah. obviously you don't, it's just like trying to help somebody buy a house if
0: you don't have all the information you can't help them buy the right house right Yeah. so it always it, it's kind of surprising when people don't and, and I think it's the value of showing multiple houses. You know, we talked about maybe it's the first house. Maybe it is. But showing multiple houses lets you know a lot more about what they like and don't like and what they're looking for and not looking for, correct?
2: Yeah. I always, to use a nerdy Star Trek reference, I always tell people, like, I'm like, I'm like the Borg. I get better and better with each, like, house that we look at. Like, I know, like, by the third or fourth house, I know when, when we walk in if they're going to like it or not because I know their aesthetic taste. I know what... They're valuing what they're trying to look at. You know, there's even been times where I've shown like three or four houses for a person. And then maybe another house comes on the market and they can't go see it that day. And I say, hey, I'll go look at it for you. And I can be like, you'd you'd hate the kitchen. You know, know, or I think you'll actually like this one. And we go do a second showing and they're like, yeah, you're right. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of value in that. And just listening to the client. Have you had one where you've... That you've gone and looked at, you took them to a house
0: that they would have never looked at, but because of what they told you and they loved the house
2: and that's what they ended up with. Yeah, absolutely. And also just been like, hey, I think you're really going to like this area based on what you told, like what you told me. And I know it wasn't on your radar. I know it's a little bit out of the parameters you told me, but just trust me, let's go see it. And they've been like, yeah, this is great. Uh, I would like
1: to thank you for the ratings boost. Anytime you mention a Star Trek reference, I guarantee we're going to get tons of Trekkies coming in listening. (laughs) So thank you for the rating (laughs) boost. Uh, But what would you think would be one of your
2: most memorable deals? Oh, geez. Um, Well, I did have a – I'm not going to remember all the specifics of it because it happened like 15 years ago. But I had a quadruple closing one time where it was um, literally like – it was like just a cascading chain of closings from sales, uh, purchases and sales of property. And on one of them, I was a dual agent, so I was doing both sides. And so there's literally four closings I had to stack up in a row wow. and do in that day. So that was a great day too. <laughs> <laughs> but stressful. But very stressful. Because if yeah. anyone in that chain that fell apart, it would have we would have had to reschedule everything. Yes. Yeah, I know. That's, that's
0: the thing that's so... To me, so important about getting, you know, as a lender, closing the loan on time, you close a purchase on time Yep. because the effect, the ripple effect that can have is tremendous.
2: Yeah. And what's crazy is like, no one remembers that it was like, not your fault. Sometimes like even as the lender or the real estate agent, it's like, this was completely out of our control. Like X happened, Right. uh, you know, but it's, it didn't close on time. Right. That's what matters at the end of the day. So kind of going back to that risk adverse thing. That's why I try to build in a lot of buffers, you know, I try to like make sure that everyone's responding to the mortgage broker right away. Yes. Did you get everything to Rick? You know, yeah. like, it's, it's critical. Yeah. It's critical. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've had some where I've had, I, I, you know, I had a,
0: I had one, I remember, and it was, I told the real estate agent, I said, listen, I'll do this, but you have to understand this is a risky deal. Mm-hmm. I, this may not close and it may be at the very end because of the situation I said, but we think we can do it, but I don't want to do this and lose your business because mm-hmm. it doesn't close. Yep. It didn't close. And I lost his business for exactly why. And, and it's that risk adverse. I yep. should have said, go somewhere else. Let them not close it.
2: Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: But w- every indication was we could close it at the time, but things happened that made it unclosable. So it's, I agree with you that you ha- I'm terrible at it though. I te- I want to help. You may do that same thing. I want to help, so I I I want to make it work. And ninety nine percent of the time, I figure out a way to make something yeah. work. Are you the same
2: way? Yeah. There's a constant tension between like managing expectations and then wanting to help. You know, yeah. there's there's been some times where I'm like, this is a hopeless cause. <laughs> like I do not see any way this could happen. Um, but I want to help you. Yes. Like it's, but like, also I want to try to manage your expectations. And just as over time on that spectrum, I've gotten more to the, I can't help you and refer you out kind of thing. Cause I, I want to help you, but I don't want you to hate me at the end of this. Right. Um, but that was another thing that I did early on is just like, if I thought there was a 5% chance, you know, I wouldn't be managing the expectations all the time and telling them the disclaimer, but we try to move forward. And now it's, I've gotten more and more risk adverse as I've gotten older yeah. to
0: yeah, And you know what happens. Even though with the five percent, you warned them the whole time;
2: they're still upset. They don't about remember. Them. I yep. get it. <laughs> I get it. So, what is yep. your
0: your makeup of your real estate team?
2: What does yeah. that look like? So, um, so it's a family owned brokerage. So we've got approximately like 20, 22 agents um, out of, out of our office on the south side. It's in Greenwood. It's on Southport Road. Um, for my what I would call my team, it's uh, it's me and my law partner we're on the east side of Indianapolis. We mostly work within the 465 area. Okay. So like I will do stuff in like uh Carmel Fishers, Westfield, things like that. But generally I'm downtown in uh, historic Irvington, Woodruff Place, uh that that area of town near Northside. Um so it's it's really just me and Jordan, my law partner, okay. who's also a, bro- a realtor. And um we just kind of it's us against the world uh, <laughs> yeah. down there. But, so, uh, so did your mom when you were deciding where? She's like, uh no, I have the South Side. You got to choose somewhere else." <laughs> well, I so I the South Side is the only side of town I've never lived on. So uh-huh. I have sold some real estate down there, but generally, like I kind of staked out my territory on the East Side, and um, just luckily, just uh, no one fought me for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Irvington is a great area. Yeah, I love Irvington. Yeah. I'm uh, formerly on the Irvington Development Organization board. My law partners actually the president of the board right now. And so like, we're always trying to attract and retain business, um, to the Irvington neighborhood and just, we're very into placemaking and trying to make it a great place to live. Yeah. So I know you work with first time homebuyers. Do you work, you know,
0: what other, like, what is your basic clientele? I know there's always outliers. So
2: I'd say my two basic clienteles are one is the first time homebuyers, um, or people that have, um, been very intimidated about buying a home or maybe got burned in the past 20 years ago. Um, and they're dipping their toe back into the water to try to do it again. Uh, and they want somebody to kind of hold their hand through it and make them feel secure. Uh, so that's one kind of segment I deal with. And then the other segment is the complete opposite end of the spectrum where it's real estate investors. So that's uh, where with the first time home buyers, I have to like kind of drag them along a lot of times and say like, Hey, it's going to be Okay. With the other side of the spectrum, it's an interesting thing because that's me kind of grabbing the reins and being like, "Whoa, slow down! Please don't make three <laughs> cash offers, you know, on three different houses, all on the same day with no contingencies." You know, so it, it's it's uh, it's interesting to kind of you know to to see the uh, the, the spectrum and the different approaches to the different um, segments that I serve. But uh, I enjoy both, and I love working with how, both. How is the investment? a quality I guess. I don't know what else to call in, in in
0: Indianapolis and the surrounding counties.
2: Yeah, so there's still um so it's it's not the same as it was last year where you know you could put pretty much any property on the market and have 20 offers on it no matter what condition it was in. Investors are getting a little more discerning now. We're seeing a sell off of some of the the assets especially assets that were financed through like um, private loans right. or, you know, private investors were seeing a lot of that kind of sell off because the investors are seeing the uh, mortgage rates going up and saying like, okay, I don't like the downside of this. Like I, I need to unload some of my portfolio. Um, but there's the quality still out there. And I tend to like to work with buy and hold investors. I will work with any type of investor, but really um, most of the investors I work with are the type that, Want to want to put some money into the home, uh, know what they're getting into, are comfortable with what they're getting into, do the work, and either um, want to rent another long term tenant or want to hold on to it and kind of do that place making in the neighborhood that I was talking about and kind of build property values up. So, you
0: know that I, I know there's it's a big difference too between somebody who is buying and holding than somebody who's buying basically you know just buying and fixing up and selling, right? Yeah
2: yeah, so I do work with some flippers. I do not work with a lot of out of state investors, um just kind of like the institutional portfolio, people where it's where they've never even seen the home. It's just a line on a spreadsheet okay. and they're buying it. like I'm not saying i you know I, i'll I'll talk to anybody and work with anyone, but that's generally not who I've been focusing my marketing efforts to try. I don't feel as fulfilled doing that, so I'm yeah. trying to get it from you know investors that like enjoy the assets that they that they own and want to like, uh, be a value add to the neighborhood, yeah. whatever neighborhood they're in. I was talking to
0: an investor and he has a hundred, I think it was 110 properties. And he said the vast majority of them he's never seen
2: Yeah, because right?
0: they're all over the country. And he, he has property managers that take care of it and he never sees them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it works for a lot of people. Yeah. I, uh, like I, I own a fair amount of property and it, that, would not be my approach just because I, again, it goes back to that risk adverse thing. I have to be able to drive by it and see it, or I have to know if there's a problem that I can drive to it in 30 minutes, but, um, it works for other people and, uh, you know, good for them. (laughs) Now, because you own property, if you,
0: if you had, let's say there's somebody out there, they're thinking about buying and buying rental property, but they're new to it. Yep. Do you think there's some value in them working with somebody like you who knows you've done first, you're an attorney. Secondly, you've, you owned your own rental property, you own your own rental property. So you kind of, you, you kind of walk them through. It seems like it. Would yeah, absolutely.
2: Like we'll walk a house and you, you know, a lot of times they'll say, like, I think this needs about 10,000, you know, of work to get it up to where it's rentable. And I'll say, like, no, it needs about 25, you know, or <laughs> it needs like 30. Um, and that's like bare bones, you know, and then I can share with them some of my spreadsheets and I'm saying like, Hey, you know, like it's not just about the amount of rent that you can get, because you've got things like you know insurance, you've got things like property taxes. You can't just like look at what your mortgage payment's going right. to be, and just because you're you know your mortgage payment's nine hundred and you're renting it for nine fifty and you're making fifty bucks a month, you're probably not actually making you're probably no. not netting any money when you take taxes and insurance into it, and then the repairs you got to make, and if you're using a property manager. So I can kind of walk them through how property manager's work, and you know like whether they want to do it themselves. I can sometimes tell them the hard truth of like, yeah, you think you're going to do all the repairs yourself. But when you get that call on Christmas Eve to fix a toilet at two in the morning, you know, you're going to think about maybe hiring a property manager or yes. it's not going to be, you're not going to love being a landlord so yeah. much.
0: <laughs> because the person flushed something down the toilet, they should, yeah. leave, you know, yeah. I, yeah, I, I had rental property years ago. And I, what I learned is I should never be the manager of a, of a rental. Pro- That's not my thing. I'm not good at it. I, I, I believe people. I think it's a thing in in sales. You tend to believe people. Yep. You, you want to think the best of everybody. And so when you're given the sob story, you just, so I, I, I think having a, I think rental property is a great thing to do, but I think you need, for me, somebody like me needs a property manager. I I can't, I couldn't do it. The only time I ever made money is when I hired a property manager. That was Mm. it. That was the only time. So what do you look at in your real estate business? What are you looking at and going, you know, man, we need to, I want to make a change here to improve my business in the next, this, you know, maybe this year.
2: Yeah. So um, I really like um, now that we've built kind of the system and the process, I just kind of want to scale it a a little bit. So I'm, I'm interested in, uh, I love teaching real estate, and I love teaching real estate to clients. I also kind of want to just build my team out. Now is what I've been kind of looking on, focusing on the next one to two year roadmap. Uh, maybe get one or two more agents, and uh, interested in some agents that uh, just want to learn the realities, the goods and the good and bad of real estate, and uh, build the team out.
0: Right. Well, you know how to do it. You've done it. Yep. A, you've you've been in a long time. You have your mom, who's you said how long? Sixty years. She's been in it over fifty over years. Over fifty years. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, that's that's incredible. She has to have tremendous knowledge. And, yeah, and she Somebody is
2: really. Does she? And
0: she still works in it.
2: Yeah, and I'll still call her occasionally and ask her a question. You and know, she still takes your calls. Yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you should just call her and ask questions, even if you don't have them. Sometimes I have to call for my law partner's phone so she picks up, you know, (laughs) but she does take my call. (laughs) So she's still top dog, though. Yeah, she she, sells the most. She still, so I think we may have one agent in our office that sells more, but she's she still beats me most years. (laughs) Yeah, she's got that referral network of you know, like you just can't beat. No, yeah, after that long. Yeah, I mean, I have a good referral network, but she's got a couple more years on me. Yeah, that's that is hard to beat.
1: That's all right. That keeps Thanksgiving dinners. She's like, "Can you pass the the turkey?" <laughs> and you know, I sold more, right? Yes, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, w- how are you seeing the indie market in the let's say the next year to five years?
2: Yeah. So, um, depends on who you are, I guess. So, I always say for real estate agents. I don't fear like bear markets because for a real estate agent, you know, it's like, well, I'll just sell the property that people want to sell off. You know, like so, I'm not intimidated by a downturn in the market. I think it's just a matter of positioning yourself. Um, it, for your average home buyer, I think, uh, you know, the home prices that are that have been going up, kind of rocketing up, which is never something that's really happened in Indianapolis. Right. We, you know, we're we're seeing that. Um, uh, I think that's going to slow. Uh, we're seeing that already. Uh, I still think it's a good time to buy. Um, I think mortgage rates will hopefully level out. You'd probably be a better expert at that than I would, but I hope that they're going to kind of level off and stop going up. Um, It's the boom is over, but I don't think that we're sliding into a recession or anything yet. As far as real estate goes. Yeah.
1: I think our biggest issue and Rick and I've talked about
2: this is inventory. Yeah. That's really the biggest issue. Like, and I think that could solve, so many things, just having some more inventory on the market, whether you're talking about new builds or just inventory of, you know, existing property. Well, we believe
0: that rates are going to come down and they've already done that some, uh, the, you know, the the big negative to interest rates is inflation and inflation has come down. It's just, it's, there's lagging indicators that are, keeping it a little higher than it should be. So we think, we think this summer, we, I, I actually believe that later this year, maybe in, into next year, we're going to be significantly lower in interest rate. I'm not saying we're going to get to where we were. Yep. But And, and if that happens, and, and there's no guarantees because none of us have a crystal ball that we can see it. But if that happens, we still have an inventory problem. Mm-hmm. So I don't see how we don't go back to the way it was.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think too, that just with some context of time, like I bought my first house, I think I was 21 years old when I bought my first house and my mortgage rate then was higher than it is they are now, you know? So like I at least have the content and my mom will always say like, oh, when I bought my first house, my my mortgage rate was in the double digits, you know? So I I think it's still a good time to buy a home. I think it's always a good time to be in real estate. Um, And real estate isn't necessarily um, tied to the stock market. So again, goes back to that risk adverse thing. Uh, if you can diversify a bit, um, not saying put everything into real estate, just like I wouldn't say not put don't put everything into the stock market or Bitcoin or whatever else is out there, but like to have a diverse real estate portfolio, I think is a responsible thing to do for investment yeah I, I agree. so if somebody has any real estate questions or any
0: you know real estate law questions, what are the best ways to get a hold of you?
2: Yeah, so um email is the best way, Clark at yourrealtylink.com. You can also go to Giles Law Group, G-I-L-E-S, lawgroup.com or yourrealtylink.com and that will get to me as well.
0: And, we're at, at the end of the show. We really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks so much.
2: Yeah, thank you. And I'd say it's it's it was really surreal after hearing you on the radio so much to see you do it in person <laughs> yeah. to hear the voice yeah. be like, I know that voice. He'll, he'll never listen to me <laughs> yeah. again. And to get
0: a hold of me and it's it's hardworkingmortgageguys.com. That's hardworkingmortgageguys.com. Or 317-672-1938. That's 317-672-1938.
1: And a reminder, if you know any friends, family, or coworkers looking to buy, sell, refinance, contact Rick or I, and we'll be more than happy to help them.
0: And don't forget to follow us. Branch NMLS number 33041. Rick Rittman's MLS number 664589. Ian Arnold's NMLS number is 1995469. Equal housing opportunity. Some restrictions apply.